0: The more the works get gummed up, the more we have to make sure we're de gumming them. That's not, it's gross. <laughs>
1: World, welcome to the Postlight podcast. I'm Gina Trapani, CEO of Postlight, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in this business and president of Postlight, Chris Lasacco. Hey,
0: hello, Gina. Hello, hello. Here? Good, very good.
1: I'm looking forward to this episode because we got an email, we got a question. We love questions. We, we
0: love getting email.
1: So please send them to us. Send me, send us your questions.
0: Hello at postlight.com. I feel like I should get a tattoo that just says hello at postlight.com. I got,
1: I got that tattoo. I don't know where you been? <laughs> that's on my. Well, I won't say where it is.
0: But <laughs> you go to the beach and you're just asking just, people. Exactly. You know? I just yeah. show.
1: I just show my forearm. <laughs> Give us your product problems. Give us your product problems. We want to talk about them. We got an email from our friend Kate, mm-hmm. and she asked a really great question. So I want to. I want to read a uh, part of the note that she sent us. Great. Kate says, "Hi, Chris and Gina. I am increasingly running into an issue at work with how to account for small change items within larger product roadmaps." So Kate is a product leader. Mm-hmm. Basically, the small cleanup work that is required to keep a product functioning as you roll out bigger, bolder features. Mm -hmm. Things like analytics cleanup, smaller, like post-MVP updates that were left on the cutting room floor, etc. Kate's question is, how do you handle this? Do you keep small changes work separate from the larger big-ticket items? Does this create confusion in sprint planning? Do you lump them together? If so, how does small change work ever get done? If it's never going to be truly, you know, a bigger priority than the next shiny feature. Oh this yeah, is, this is a big one. Yep. And do you set aside sprint capacity solely for small items? And how do you protect that resource when the shiny feature is late and it's all hands on deck?
0: These are such good questions. Really,
1: really good question. There's always a list There's of always little a list. things,
0: especially if you've inherited a product that has already had. You know, we talked earlier on the show about the different stages of a product's life cycle, if you're coming into a product or a platform that has already had months, years, sometimes decades of development that gets put in, there's going to be a long list of things that just hasn't been addressed. But also, just like Kate lays out in this email, those things are not going to be the things that bubble to the top of the list. That's right. Usually, they are not the game-changing new features. They're not something that you want to introduce so that you can get a marketing impact from it. You know, These are lower level things. And so how do you address them? This first question, do you keep the small changes separate from the larger big ticket items is so interesting. And my gut reaction reading the note was no, you don't keep them separate. I don't know if that gut reaction is correct, by the way, but that was where my mind first went, which was you bring them together. And something that we've seen done really successfully in the past is you define a release where let's say 60 or 70% of the release is a new thing. It's new feature development. It's enhancement. And then 30 to 40% is those cleanup items that go right along with it. And sometimes you don't even talk about those items. That's right. Or they show up in release notes as 11 bugs addressed, (laughs) you know? Right. Exactly. And that's as far as it goes. Or improved performance or stability investments. Mm -hmm. And those things they're no less important, but because you know that they're not going to speak to, you know, every every user of the platform, you don't have to emphasize them as much. And you can just sort of bundle them up and treat them as one big thing, one big unit of work that the team is addressing as a, as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think about this through the, I mean, this is a different lens, but the kind of the, the personal productivity lens, right? Like the the big rocks and the little rocks. A pattern I've seen, I think that lower or less experienced or more junior product leaders will tend to get really caught up in the little stuff and Mm. we can't, we can't move on until we fix this thing. And I think that really senior product leaders, VP level, the folks who are thinking about the bigger roadmap are going to really emphasize the big stuff.
0: That's a great point. uh,
1: Because the market is waiting because the marketing person is banging down their door because their execs and their bosses are like, when is, when is the new thing? When can we make noise about this? How can Mm -hmm. we address? So, but I do think that there is something in the middle right? So to go back to, you know, the way I think about this, like from personal productivity standpoint, right? Like, so I think this is Stephen Covey, who is kind of this you know old school seven habits uh, seven habits of highly effective people person still his stuff holds up and, <laughs> and so he talks about you know the big rocks and the small rocks so if you imagine your life as a bucket so in this case you know your team's capacity uh and your timeline you know you can fill it with sand and gravel right and then mm-hmm. there's no room to put in the big rocks right but you should start with the big rocks what right. are the big new shiny features the things that you you know are really going to have the biggest impact and are going to you know be able to address new user needs and all those things but when you put in those big rocks First, there's always like a little space, you know? And then you can fit in the little rocks in that space in yes. between and the sand and the gravel, right? And I think that's the right way. Start with the big rocks, but then bring in the little stuff alongside it because it's important and you're, you know, you're building trust with your users if it's speed, if it's stability, if it's analytics, like there's a, you know, return, that stuff is important to address, but it shouldn't I don't think that you should bundle up and separate it because like Kate said, it's just never going to get prioritized. Over the, the shiny new feature. So I kind of feel like there has to be, you have to work on these things in in parallel. Yeah.
0: I mean, I very much agree. Let me offer a counterpoint though, and just see how you react to it. Because sometimes I think there is a way to look at some of these features and basically back into a business reason why Mm -hmm. it makes sense to call this thing, the big rock, you know, or this set of things, the big rock. Analytics is a great example. We had a client a few years ago who was, they wanted to expand what their platform offered. They are in the insurance space. And when they were thinking about how to expand, they wanted to look at where are the parts of the platform that are used today and how are they used and how can we like leverage the actual usage data to guide us on where we should go next, Yeah, which makes total sense. But they didn't have good data. Which is very common, right? Very because common.
1: It, Analytics is always the last it's, thought. That's exactly thought.
0: right. You're not thinking, you know, when you're creating a, a thing from scratch, like, oh, I got to make sure I I mean, very rarely, I got to make sure I instrument every piece of this so I know how it's being used. Yeah it's very often you've got to come back and retrofit like, oh, now I see how this has come together. And so I want to make sure that I have the right events firing and the right triggers so that we can gather user behavior data. And so what our team did was they made the case that doing an analytics investment, it's not front-facing. You're not going to get any immediate marketing value or customer value out of that. But It's a second-order game because once you do start to learn about what your users are doing, you're going to make much more informed decisions about what comes next. And so you could actually think about an analytics cleanup as the baseline, the foundational layer that's going to lead to something that's really impactful in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another way you can get at this, right, is path number one is put the big rocks in and let let the littler things sort of be the sand that fills in the gaps. Path two is... Take these smaller things and combine them together into a big rock and then figure out. But you've got to justify it. You've got to figure out what is the business case and how do I say this is why I can represent to you, my stakeholders, that this thing that doesn't seem like a business impacting thing actually is. And here's why we need to go do it.
1: This requires very smart and savvy internal marketing, right? Because no no exec wants to hear, oh, the engineers are paying down tech debt. What does that even mean? You're right. You're right. Or you're just, you're spending your time just getting more. Why? Right. Like, so you really kind of have to sell it as like, just like you said, you have to have that that business reason, you know, to to justify it. I mean, I think any experienced product leader is going to, you know, any product leader really is going to know analytics, you know, (laughs) we didn't get it perfectly before release. That analytics, getting analytics instrumented perfectly shouldn't hold up the MVP going out to the world.
0: No, absolutely But
1: like Kate said, you know, it should be on the cutting room floor. And ideally that's a fast follow. You know, there's the like release. And then there's like a, you know, we we talked a little bit about like a TikTok, that TikTok cadence of releases, right? Right. You have the the, the big stuff and then the, the cleanup.
0: Up. The cleanup right. and make sure that your, you know, your situation is solid under the hood, which is just as important.
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of like resource management, I think that there are times when like small wins can really benefit the team, you know, say if you have engineers or designers just grappling with this really complex problem and this long term project for months and months, and they haven't like shipped a thing in a while, it can feel nice. And I mean, I do this even just in, in regular, just my to dos throughout the day. Let me just get a quick win. Yeah. Let me just reply to this email. Let me just, you know, knock off this quick thing. And if you have, you know, a small ticket thing, or you have a new person on the team mm-hmm. who's just learning the code base or learning, you know, hey, can you come in, just tackle this one ticket? You know, we, we've heard of companies that like, you know, you, you, day one, you ship code. Code, right? This you was a big little, GitHub thing, this right? This is a big GitHub thing, right? Day one, you ship code, right? So you want to have those really small tickets there ready for someone to pick off when they've got some time. I mean, the reality is, is that if you're working on these big features, there's going to be a little bit of downtime. There's going to be some, not downtime, there's going to be dependencies. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting on design for this. You know, my brain is stuck on this thing and I need a break. And if there's like an easy way to pick up something and say like, I shipped something and I accomplished something today, that's really motivating, I think, to the team who's been, you know, heads down on something for a long time yeah, and say, like, I ship working code. Like I, I got something done today, you know, even though it's small.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love this point and I love the idea of building momentum. That's so important, especially yeah. if you haven't had it, right? Yeah. If it has been weeks or months since you've mm-hmm. had a release and you're like, man, I just need to start the ball rolling. Yeah. Those small things, they don't even have to be small necessarily. They could be a little bit larger. And if you chunk them out or break them down so mm-hmm. that you can start to, again, get a cadence going where you're like I it's it's normal to push to production. It's normal to, you know, get a quick pull request review and get the, get something out there. Those things are really important and they're good candidates for because maybe marketing or sales are not going to be as interested in them. It's it's good to use those to build the muscle. I would also say, you know, something to think about for teams that are in this predicament is sequencing because very often when you put the big rocks in first, they take up a lot of your energy. And so when you're thinking about, okay, I'm planning a two-week or a three-week iteration, I'm going to prioritize the big thing, right? The big tentpole feature first, and then we're going to fill in the rest of the gaps. Sometimes, though, it can make sense to start your sprint with a few smaller things. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not shipping it, um, you you know that the big thing is coming. Or maybe you divide the team and say, we've got – an architect-level engineer who's starting to lay the foundation or build the scaffolding for the big feature. And then we've got another person or another two people on the team who are thinking about knocking out a few quick wins or a few smaller things or a few you know, tech debt items while the infrastructure is being laid. And then once it's ready, all three people are heads down on the main feature. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how to sort of get creative with how you parcel out the work and sequence the work yes. so that you can maximize how much you're getting done, especially if you're bundling these sort of disparate types of features into one release.
1: Mm -hmm. That's really smart. That's a really smart approach. There's also, we should talk about like, what is, what are the consequences of not doing those little things? Like you and I have talked a Mm. lot about like systems and platforms that just get sort of new stuff added on and caked on over time. And then things get slow. One screen doesn't line up with the other screen. Like it starts to, the whole system starts to feel exactly clunky you and see inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And now I'm watching seven progress bars sequentially go from one end to the other while I'm trying to off, you know, totally. all that stuff. And you know, it's hard to, you know, as a, as a product team, I think it's hard to say like, we really want to avoid getting to that place. Right. Because when you do get to that place, it's like, you know, you're going to have your CEO or your CMO be like, why does our app just feel so, like such a, grind right. to use or a platform feel like, so why, why are things so slow? And, you know, and it's like, well, we pushed too hard on building all the new stuff and just caking it on. And we didn't go back and smooth out the edges and, and do the optimizations and, you know, make sure that the whole thing kind of feels, feels good right. altogether.
0: Right. You made a great point before, which speaks directly to this, which is internal marketing. And I think people earlier in their careers assume that, everybody sort of sees the software effort in the same way. Yeah. And so they know or they think that if there's items in the backlog, then everybody knows we just have to go tackle we those go items. Do them. Right. Yeah. It's not a given actually. You know, it's like a car, like a car with an internal combustion engine needs regular maintenance right. so that things are working smoothly and that you don't have bigger problems down the road. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with software. You need to continually invest in these quality of life under the hood improvements because they are going to make sure that you are preventing bigger problems, user facing problems down the road. Mm -hmm. And the more that, you know, if our product managers and our engineering leaders can internalize that they need to, make that clear and make the case, you know, we've also seen situations where the business leaders get held hostage, which is not good. It's, a, it's actually one of the things that we try to work against at Postlight. Yeah. Right? Tell, like, say
1: more about that. What do you mean?
0: Well, a pattern is like an engineer says, well, we can't do X, Y, or Z until, until we, we
1: do these five months of refactoring. Right. The we need platform. to
0: clean up the database and upgrade react and blah, blah. And I'm right. not, those things can be valid, but it's, it's with an air of like, I'm in control. And you don't get to make the calls here. And it's really unhealthy. It's
1: really bad. Because then you know what happens. The leaders... Reach out to a shop like Postlight and say, My engineering team is saying that our platform is completely not scalable and we can't do anything for five months. Like, is my engineering team bad or right. are they right? right. <laughs> like, we we had this situation. I got called in and, and to be like, are, are we doing, like, why are we moving so slow? Is this just bad? And, and it was like, Oh no, you actually have a very smart engineering team, but they're not, you know, explaining to you well or, or making it clear to you why the work that they're doing is important for Ex- the business.
0: Exactly, exactly. It, it always needs to orient around. What is the business outcome that we're driving towards
1: outcome? That's right. That's right. I mean, look, we've seen situations where engineering teams do get carried away and go like, Oh, like, well, we're fixing this. Why don't we refactor that? And, and, you know, you start to, you start to do work that is less impactful, but it's just there. And it's clear in your mind that you should do it. And then a few days go by and then it's like, what's going on here? What are you working on? Why that? Why are you? I mean, this is the product leaders, you know, one of the biggest jobs is to be able to express that. Why are we doing this? How does it connect to the business? Are we spending our energy the right way?
0: Exactly. People understand the concept of preventative maintenance. People understand the concept of, I have to invest in a thing to make sure that that thing has a longer life going forward. I mean, you could even think about ourselves, right? Going to the doctor and getting a checkup once a year is good preventative maintenance so that your body continues to function for as long as it could in an optimal way. And when we're thinking about a software effort, it's the same thing. I think it is incumbent upon the team's leadership to make that clear and you can call it whatever you want you can call it internal marketing you can call it clear road mapping you can call it future planning and future presentations of of what's coming up and we've seen lots of different tools and approaches for this and we have a few that we like but there are you know there's a lot of ways to do this effectively but you have to do it you can't just assume that all things naturally sort of fall into place you know you have to make sure that you are proactively setting people's expectations and making clear why you need space for these kinds of smaller cleanup type things.
1: Yeah. I mean the difference between I'm going to go have a couple of doctor's appointments the next couple of months versus like, I'm going to go to a wellness retreat for for four months. And oh, this is a bad, I'm really stretching this metaphor here, but like the <laughs> like, we, going. we can't move forward. Our platform is in such a state that we can't move forward until we refactor the database. And we rewrite this whole piece of the, of the middleware because in a faster language, because we really can't go and you know, that hold holding leaders hostage to be like, we need, you know, three months of heads down time to do these invisible Upgrades. That's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. It's a really bad scene because look, the leaders at your company, there's a clock ticking in their heads. Always, their competitors are beating them out. They're losing users. You know, the more time and there's, you know, you're paying salaries and days are ticking by, and that you feel that you feel like, you know, invisible progress. It feels like no progress, right? Right. But a lot of this work is invisible, right? So that's why, that's why I'm, I'm sort of, you know, Kate, I don't feel like I have the, the exact right answer, but I'm definitely leaning toward the do it alongside the big rocks, right? Like yeah. that the two work streams of the, the small stuff alongside the big stuff versus like bundling up all the small stuff. Although again, maybe once in a while for one sprint, it's worth saying, we're just going to burn through this part of the backlog that here's why here's why yeah here's why
0: i mean there's one more sort of question that we should come back to which is how do you protect that resource when said shiny feature is late and it's all hands Mm. on deck and this is a great question because sometimes you have to change your plan and you have to say actually this is a higher priority right now exactly the big shiny feature is more important is more important and i've been in these shoes as a product manager and it sucks because you're like I know that we needed to clean up these six things and the fact they that they're getting pushed people
1: off on that journey. Yes. And now I have to say to them, actually stop right? come back to this, you know, stream work stream. Right. Very disruptive, very annoying for them, You know, like it's, but sometimes but, you got to do it.
0: Exactly. Like that's my, my, you know, as I read this now from the seat we're in at the moment, it's like most of the time it's going to be the right call to prioritize the front facing thing and say, this is the thing we've got to get done. And we have to figure out a new plan to address the smaller, things. the other things,
1: right? I mean, look, they're going to show themselves, right? If you can put it off and there's another bigger priority, right? Like this is prioritization. Like then then you probably should if you're you're in if you're in that state with the big feature being, being late, which is a terrible state to be. Also, you should ask yourself whether or not adding another engineer is really going to fix the problem, but that's maybe a different different conversation. Like, does, oh, does, like, does more bodies, you know? Right, all hands on should, deck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah.
0: That's, a, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are the tough challenges of product management. Like, yes. figuring out how to best use your resources on a, like, sprint-to-sprint or day-to-day level. Mm-hmm. Like, it's challenging. And the the best functioning teams are really good at sort of, like, addressing that and shifting on the fly when they need to but it's hard and it takes work and you know something we've realized through trial and error <laughs> is you've got to make sure that the team has a chance in the very beginning when they start working together to really understand how this process happens right we're not big believers in like you must do strict scrum or something like that right but you do have to understand how are we allocating work and how are we responding when things change because That is a fact, things will change. And so making sure teams know how to course correct and adjust and hand things off, because you're totally right. Maybe pulling an extra two engineers onto the big feature is not gonna help. And so letting them continue on the path to clean up the smaller things is actually fine and the right allocation of resources. But unless your team really understands how they're doing the work together, it's going to be hard to make that call.
1: Well, this is a great question for Kate. There is no real right answer. This is a, a you know a kind of thing that you get better at kind of over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are, these, like you said, are the tough problems of leading a team. If you have questions about prioritization or road mapping or figuring out how to, you know, explain what you're working on internally and externally and get that that good cadence of, of shiny new features, but also maintenance support, we'd love to hear from you. Reach Absolutely. out to us. Uh, send us a note at hello at PostLite. Dot com and um I mean we love this stuff.
0: This is great. Thanks, Sheena.
1: Thanks, Chris. Bye.